Good morning. We're finishing up this uh, third week of our reset series, and we're really, you know, we're really focusing on how important this battle is for your mind. At least the title uh, today's devotional: "Change Your Mind, Change Your Life." And so, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures together as we begin this morning. Galatians 6, 7 through 10 first. Do not be deceived, Paul writes. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And then looking at at a portion of the passage we looked at yesterday from 2 Corinthians 10 verses 5 and 6, we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ and we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is is complete. So this idea of changing your mind is really the way to change your life. It's the way deep change comes about. And so the idea the idea isn't simply, even though there's some truth to this cliche, but it's not simply garbage in, garbage out. It, it's really about the value uh, that you place on, on what you believe, uh, what, you're, what you're dwelling on, what you're nourishing in terms of beliefs and values. I was thinking about that for this week. Um, I mean, one of the ways that we nourish ourselves is to, is to be consistent in God's word, in God's truth. So this was a really busy week for me. You know, I had all my uh, responsibilities at Risen King, the different meetings that I had to go to. But every night, I was also teaching a doctoral class for Alliance Theological Seminary. Now, it was on Zoom, but it was from 5 o'clock in the evening till 10 o'clock. And each night, I, I had this temptation. I had this temptation to kind of feel sorry for myself because I had to get up early, had to get ready, um, particularly get ready for the devotional, make sure everything was... Uh, the teachings were in order, all that kind of stuff. And it was it was interesting how easy it is to start feeling sorry for yourself or in some ways to to give give in a way space for um you know more pride, for more um uh, whether it's patting yourself on the back for what you're doing or whatever it is. But when I would prepare for this devotional. I, I could give no space. I could give no space for self-pity. I could give no space for, for um, in a way, nourishing my flesh because the truth of God's word was confronting the things that I was facing in my life and the emotions and all of these things. And you realize that as you're you're consistently in God's word and you're consistently doing devotionals and you're consistently, you know, feeding your spirit instead of your flesh, something wonderful happens. 
Now, this wonderful thing, this thing that's so sweet for your soul, we are calling it repentance. And uh, one Bible teacher, Bruce Wilkinson, said, repentance means you change your mind so deeply that it changes you. Um, so the lies that are deeply planted in our lives, they have great power. That's what Paul is explaining in Galatians. He says when we plant lies, we will reap lies. But then he also is saying that truth planted in our life has even greater power than the lies. This this is partially what we were talking about yesterday, that, that God is greater than our thoughts, that the truth is greater than the lies. The truth has greater power. The truth never has to be defended by another, by a lie. It, it, it defends itself. I love the old saying about how do you defend the Bible? And, it, and the answer was you defend it like you do a lion. You just, you let it defend itself. You let the truth defend itself. And so that truth planted in the way you think, in the way you value things, in these default settings, truth planted will reap a great harvest. And so we cannot allow ourselves to get weary under this daily grind. That's why, for me, doing this devotional every day has been so important for my soul. Because the daily grind is hard, and and it's easy to begin to be self-centered because you're tired. It's easy to begin to, to think, you know, you're sacrificing more than other people because of what you're doing. And so you have to constantly recognize that what you're planting will reap a harvest. It's never passive. What you're planting will reap a harvest. And and this may be difficult for many of us because Paul is saying this is an unrelenting task. It's It's just like the farmer's task. If a farmer does not sow seed, there will be no harvest. If we do not sow the truth and nurture our spiritual lives, there will not be a harvest. Now, now that, you know, again, the farmer illustration, the farmer illustration is easy. If the farmer does not sow the seed, there something else will be, will be sown in that field. Weeds will be sown and there'll be no food. And so the same is true that when we're not sowing truth into our inner person, into our default settings, we're not sowing truth, then weeds are being sown, lies are being sown there. There's always a harvest. It's not always the harvest you want there to be. So Paul is is giving us this agricultural illustration for the spiritual battle that goes on. And, And it is hard to realize, but it's an unrelenting battle. And he's using what is written into God's creation, what's written into the fabric of the cosmos, that what you and I plant is what you and I will reap. So repentance means if we, if, if we plant the truth deeply in our lives, that truth will, plant, will change us. See, what, what Paul's saying here in Galatians, in this letter to the Galatians, is a very realistic look at the problems that every Christian faces. See, 
what, what we're talking about, when we talk about truth, we're talking about the truth of the gospel being grasped by your genuine faith, by your real faith. And, and the truth of the gospel being the fortress, the, the protection for the way you think and the way you feel so that you're ready for the challenges that you face. Um, in, in, in depending on the Holy Spirit, personally, in depending on the Holy Spirit and, and, and trying to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I, I, I have tried to open myself up not only to continue, continuing to be a student of, of the Word of God, but to be an intimate of the Holy Spirit. And, and so often, in this intimacy with the Holy Spirit, he will, you know, he will speak to me. He will, he will share with me uh, things that matter, things that matter to me, things that are important to me. But there are times where I look at a situation, or I look at a, a relationship, or a some future circumstance, and I look and I and I and I think that I have it figured out. That I, oh, this is what God's going to do. This is how this is going to unfold. This is when it's going to unfold. So I have this rich relationship with the Holy Spirit that means so much to me. But but because I'm I'm still this broken person and I'm still this learning person who's trying to grow in the things of the Spirit, I still make these giant leaps. And these mistakes about what's going to happen. And I have expectations about it. And I, I have often said, well, th- this is what should happen. And this, this is what's going to happen. And then it doesn't happen. And so some of the challenges that we face, um, it's, it's often the surprise that we feel or the shock that we feel that life doesn't go the way we expect it to go, or people don't respond or do what we expect them to do. And this is where the this is where, in the unexpected twists and turns of life, this is where this big some of our biggest challenges are faced. Is will we allow these circumstances that bring up areas of unbelief? bring up areas of anxiety, anger, frustration. Will we let those areas become areas where we uproot the lies and plant the truth? Um, you see, this work is not superficial work. This isn't just, okay, let's don't watch certain movies and let's don't read certain books. This is, let's pay attention when we're having an inner conflict about some circumstances or people or situations where we have feelings of dread or we have feelings of frustration, we have feelings of anger, and we realize that what that means is lies are being revealed. Now will I uproot the lies and will I believe the truth? see, it is not and should not be a surprise to you that suffering is a part of your path. Rather, it should be a part of your 
worldview, a part of your view of God even, that he is not going to waste your sorrows. He's not going to waste your suffering, that the suffering you are enduring here is for an even greater glory there in his presence. But even it is for glory here, for, for that which is beautiful, for that which is lasting, for that which is valuable in you. Now, in, in this context of Galatians, Paul is saying to the believers, you are in Christ. The Holy Spirit is in you. There is for you the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he says, if you walk in the Spirit, and this is one of the ways you know you walk in the Spirit, you will realize, in other words, you will express, no matter what the circumstances, you will express the fruit of the Spirit. This is verse 22 of chapter 5. This is what... See, Paul is saying is if you have sown to the Spirit, you will reap the fruit of the Spirit. If you have sown to the flesh, you will reap the fruit of the flesh. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Well, he says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, the interesting thing here is it doesn't say the fruits. It's one fruit all expressed in these dimensions. It isn't, you know, it isn't just patience, but it's also the ability to feel, to experience a complete control over your own emotions and a complete control over your own reactions. Being able to be gentle when other people would not be gentle. Staying faithful even when your faith is being challenged. Being kind even when others are not kind to you. Having an inner equilibrium that is not overthrown by external chaos. See, if you walk in the Spirit, which is what he's saying here, have you sown the truth into your spirit so that you're walking in the Holy Spirit? Well, these, these manifestations of the fruit, that's what you're going to experience. See, you plant walking in the Spirit. You harvest then these incredible virtues, they become a reality. On the other hand, in verse 19 of chapter 5, it says, if you plant deeds of the flesh, and, and, and one way to look at this is, there are two hungers in you. The one is the, the hunger of the spirit, and there's the hunger of the flesh. Which one are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh? Like, my illustration for this week. Am I gonna am I gonna just sit there and feel sorry for myself? Am I gonna say, oh, woe is me, my 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 week is too busy. Oh God, why you know, why did I why did I you know say yes to this requirement and this demand and all this kind of stuff and or or maybe even pat my back on myself on the back and say, look what a look at a look what a sacrificial life I live. Well if I do those things, then what I'm doing is I'm nurturing my self-centeredness. I'm nurturing my flesh. I'm, it's not that we don't take note of how busy we are or how many demands there are in our life. And it isn't that we don't have boundaries that say sometimes you've got to say no to certain things because you don't have the energy 
and you don't have the time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the attitudes we have about what happens to us. Are we feeding the flesh? Or are we feeding the spirit? Look, look, if you feed the flesh, here's how you know. Immorality comes out. In other words, you feel entitled to do something you know God doesn't want you to do. Impurity comes out. Sensuality. In other words, you must satisfy all the appetites of your senses. Because, you see, because when you feed the flesh, then the only thing you have is physical appetites that have to be satisfied. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. And here's, here's one of the things that's really important to understand. If you are feeding the flesh, if you're feeding the flesh, there is never enough for you and for everybody else. Because all that there is is the material world. And if somebody else is getting what you want, then they're an obstacle to you. They're in your way. So there's strife, there's jealousy, there's outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying. See, what you see in this list is so interesting. I, I grew up in a, a family of five kids. I'm the oldest of five. And my parents were, um, were very poor. We, we, we were very limited in the resources that we had. And so my mother would, when it came to food, my mother would apportion out the food that each of we, she didn't just put plates on the, on the table and say, dig in. She actually put it on our plate because that's all the food that there was. And so finishing mine, because I'm a very fast eater, especially when I'm hungry, you know, I start looking around and say, how can I get some of my siblings food? Because there wasn't enough. And, and this is what Paul is saying is that when you are resourced by your flesh, then it's never enough. And what other people have, you have to have it because, because they have what you need. They have what you want. And your fulfillment, your satisfaction depends on the material world instead of the spiritual world. And this is why Paul says when we're sowing to the flesh, when we're, when we're believing the lies of the flesh, then everybody else is a competitor for what I need or want for myself. And then he says something that's really interesting, this, this last set, talking about drunkenness and carousing. You, you understand what, he, what he's saying by this, is he's saying that if you live and sow to the flesh, you can't stay in reality. You gotta get drunk. You gotta get high. Because the reality will destroy you because you don't have sufficient resources to live this life in the flesh. And so there has to be something that dulls your senses, distracts you, or just distorts reality, like substance or um, any other thing in which you get distracted. So Paul is saying that every, every indication that you see in your life of being unable to deal with reality as it is, is a, is a manifestation or expression that I'm sowing to the wrong hunger. If I sow to the Spirit, 
then what I'm gonna what I'm gonna have is I'm gonna have unlimited supply. My God shall supply all your needs. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, he who began this good work in me, he will carry it through to completion. It's all based on the faithfulness of God, and it changes you from the inside out. But if you sow to the flesh, if you nourish the flesh, then everybody else is in your way, and everything else is in your way. Now, he, he, he warns us that whatever we plant then is exactly what we will harvest. So he says, it's so interesting, Paul's phraseology here. He says, do not be deceived. Now, why does, why does he say this? Well, it's a very important warning because most of us, we, we don't realize how easily deceived we are. And, and most of us live at least to some degree in a, in, in a, a, a percentage of deception, either self-deception demonic deception or worldly deception. And so when you see sinful behavior manifesting in your life, there has to be a kind of there has to be a courage that says this is my area of deception. If you're not manifesting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, these these various things, if you're not in control of of your emotions and your reactions to others, then then there's some deception in your life. Now, the reason deception works so well is because most of the time we don't know that we're deceived. That's why it's a, uh, an effective tactic of the enemy. He is the deceiver. And so what we have to do is to look at the, the symptoms and to say the symptoms tell me there is deception. I no longer want to sow to that kind of deception. Now, Obviously, we are under grace and we're not under law. We've been forgiven. The forgiveness is real. We're not going to lose our salvation, but we're losing our freedom. And we're losing the fullness of the victory that is ours in Christ. You know, he has already paid the price for that sin. It's not a question of, am I forgiven? It's really a question of, do I want to know the fullness of, of life in the spirit, life in God? Or do I want to continue to be deceived? And if if you say, you know, I really hate being deceived, then you begin to say, then the battle has to be one that I am intentional about, where I begin to say, here are the, here are the signs of my deception. And in those places, I'm going to uproot the weeds and I'm going to plant good seed in good soil. Um, that word deceive is an interesting word because Paul uses uh, the Greek word planao. And this this is the word planao that we get the word planet from. And the, the idea of being deceived is that you're actually wandering around. Or literally, it means to be led astray. So throughout the scriptures, God leads you in a direct path. In Job 4.8, listen what it says. Those who plow iniquity sow trouble and harvest. So those who plow iniquity, they, they harvest that same iniquity. Proverbs 1.31, those 
again, who are plowing the iniquity in Proverbs 131, it says, they shall eat of the fruit of their own way. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to eat the fruit of lies. I don't want to eat the fruit of the flesh. It does not satisfy when there is a better way. Uh, Proverbs eleven eighteen: the wicked earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness earns a true reward. Hosea 8, 7, those who sow the wind reap the whirlwind. In Hosea, the 10th chapter, there's a, there's a couple of verses that are very, very powerful and very applicable to our whole change project. Listen to what it says. Sow with a view to righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness. Break up your fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. See, this is, this is what the Lord is doing in our change project. He's showing us where the hard ground, where the hard places in our heart. One of my change project, uh, you know, first agenda things for me is, Lord, I'm seeing that not all of my heart has been melted by your love because there are places where I don't have a burning love for you. And that's the hard ground because anywhere that the love the burning love of Christ has been applied to our hearts. That, that place filled with the Holy Spirit becomes a melted part of your heart, not a, not a hard place. And so the truth becomes a plow that breaks up the hard ground. And then the result is God reigns righteousness on that, on that broken area. But then on the other hand, Hosea says this, you have plowed wickedness and you have reaped injustice or unrighteousness. So this biblical principle isn't just in Galatians. Paul, a great rabbi, a great teacher of the word of God is using a theme that is throughout the scriptures. The harvest is determined by the planting. If we want wheat, we don't plant strawberries. There's a truth here. There's a, both a, 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 a cosmic law, what you sow, you reap, and there's a truth in a moral sense. The fruit in your life is planted. Uh, the truth in your life that you harvest is what you've planted. I, I've, been, I've been watching uh, or listening to a podcast about the downfall of a Christian leader and of a church that rose to be 50,000 people or so. And one of the themes that is throughout this podcast that has struck me is that there are leaders who have more charisma than they have character. And, and it's not always easy. I'm an older minister now, but it wasn't easy when you're young to, to allow or to even want the planting of character or the, the harvest of, I mean, you wanted it without, you wanted the character without all the pain, without all the suffering. Now, having been in pastoral ministry for around 40 years, I realized that none of the character came without sowing and without, you know, watering and without, Without the planting, there would never have been a harvest. And even 
even as there has been such faithfulness on God's part in my life. And, and, and seasons where I didn't understand why I was going through or what I was going through. Yet, for at least for me, he would not let there be gifting without character. And that was the goodness of the Lord. That was the kindness of the Lord to me. Now, when you sow to the Spirit, what Paul says is you can't grow weary. You can't just do it for a little while, but you've got to stay with it. Do not lose heart, he says. And what does losing heart mean? It means you give yourself back over to the lies. You give yourself back over to sin. He's saying, don't become discouraged. Don't begin to entertain fleshly discouragement or fleshly indulgence or fleshly, you know, ways of of trying to soothe your heart. Don't lose heart. This is a phrase that's used sometimes by a farmer who begins to slacken because he gets tired. He's worn out. He's fatigued. He says, don't do that. So Paul gives this stern warning that the opposite crop of righteousness is just as possible if we've been planting lies. So Lisa was working on this devotional and she was reading a quote from an author that that was really famous. Uh, But the problem was that when she began to think about writing this quote down, she found out that this author had renounced their faith. Here was this famous author, wrote this quote about sowing and reaping, but the author had, had actually renounced his faith. He was, a, he was nationally known as a speaker, an author, but his life bore out the truth of his own passage, his own quote, but in a negative way. Listen to what he says. What you see in your spiritual life today is the direct result of what you've put in the soil of your life in days past. The difference between the person who grows in holiness and the one who doesn't is not a matter of personality, upbringing, or gifting. The difference is what each has planted into the soil of his or her her heart and soul. So holiness isn't a mysterious spiritual state that only an elite few can reach. It's more than an emotion or a resolution or or an event. Holiness is a harvest. Man, his quote is absolutely true. But here's a guy with a, a fantastic quote, famous author, famous speaker. But what he reveals is he was pouring into his life lies and now he doesn't have any faith at all. He's actually teaching a workshop on how not to have faith. So what we see, what we see is this guy is sown to pride. He's sown to fame. He's sown to, you know, saying what people want him to say. And then when the tough times came, he fell apart. See, the spiritual reset that you choose, that I choose, will determine the harvest that we reap. Galatians gives us great hope that truth sown in your heart will reap a raining down of the justice of God, of the righteousness of God, of the rewards of God. This is the, this is the glorious thing in, in terms of the Christian faith. If you just turn an inch towards God, 
just an inch, he will open up your heart a mile. You see, it isn't about wages. It's not strictly cause and effect. It's not just I plant or I sow and and then I reap. No, it's the gift. In Romans 4, it's so beautiful. It says, do you just want wages? Do you want just what you deserve? He says, don't you want to be like Abraham? Abraham didn't get what he deserved. He received the gift. And he says, that's faith. Faith multiplies the harvest in your life. It's not just that truth is truth. Truth will always be true. But when you, by faith, sow truth in your heart, you get a multiplied harvest. Change your mind. Change your life. God bless you.